This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm glad you're joining me today, and I encourage you to tell people, your friends and family members about the show. Because remember, not only can they listen to me live at 4 o'clock Eastern on Wednesdays, but the show is always archived within a day or two, and uh, you can listen to it then. By the way, we've had a tremendous response to the show last week. John Trudell, noted novelist, came on and talked about what's happening in the uh, in Oregon, in the what they call the Oregon Gulag, which basically is the result of about 50 people being arrested by the feds and by the Oregon State Police. And uh, these are the people who supposedly illegally occupied an abandoned federal building or game reserve, game preserve, and uh, one of them was executed, essentially, uh, when they tried to drive away to go to a meeting with a sheriff of a neighboring com- county, and there was an ambush set up. It was clearly an ambush. Uh, the feds were involved in setting it up. They didn't fire the shots, apparently, although we don't know for sure. It appears Oregon State Police, on the orders of the governor, who is an unelected governor, by the way, and touts herself as being the first bisexual governor in the the country, and uh, far, far left. And she apparently approved the ambush, at least that's the indications, and a rancher from Arizona was shot down in cold blood, and the car he was, or the truck he was driving was shot up, Fortunately, the people in the truck were not injured. One of them was a perfectly innocent young girl who had just hitched a ride, basically, uh, with the people. And then after that, all the people involved were arrested, including several journalists who had been covering the story. They are being held incognito. Uh, I have seen reports by lawyers these people that the lawyers are not allowed to see them, they're not allowed to talk to them, they're being held in isolation. Some of the people, we don't even know where they're being held. Some have been transferred to federal prisons and other states, so it's a nightmare. And what I'm planning on doing is John Trudell has emailed me several updates uh, in the last couple of days. And I'm not going to talk about him today because what I want to do is next Wednesday probably have John back on the show again to give us an update on all this and and tell us more about what's going on. But in the meantime, we certainly have plenty of things to talk about today. Uh, We've got two scandals out there, one of which is a media-created scandal, and that's the only one they're talking about because that involves Donald Trump. And let's face it, the American news media, for the most part, is no longer an independent press. They are no longer following the freedom of the press aspects that were set up in the Constitution. The media was supposed to be a free press so it could monitor what was happening with the government, make sure individual rights were protected, and basically be the watchdog over politicians. The current news media... And I'll cite particularly NBC, but CBS is just as guilty 
and uh, ABC is guilty, even ESPN, which is a sports network, that has become a propaganda organ for the Obama administration and the far-left politicians in this country. NBC, and I reported this at the beginning of the Obama administration, NBC executives, news executives, have a conference call every Monday morning with the Obama White House staff. And they basically discuss what is going to be the news for the week and how to spin it in favor of liberal Democrats. And the spin cycle is massive in this election. Now, like I said, there are two scandals out there right now. One involves the so-called Second Amendment comment made by Donald Trump, which is no scandal at all. And the other involves Hillary Clinton's email scandal. More emails being released. And talk now about a DNC staffer being murdered who was involved in releasing some of those emails to WikiLeaks. What's in the news? What's on NBC? What's on ABC? What's on CNN? Uh, the Clinton News Network? Nothing about any of that. All they want to talk about is Donald Trump saying that if Hillary Clinton was elected president and was about to appoint Supreme Court justices, the Second Amendment supporters might have something to say about that. And this was branded by the Clinton campaign as a threat of violence. That's not what Trump appeared to mean. He was talking about a well-organized group of people, the NRA, who would fight any Clinton appointment. That's what he, he clearly meant. But even if he meant that Second Amendment people would stand up against tyranny and use their Second Amendment rights to defend this country, that to me would be fine. Because let's face it, if Clinton is elected president, and if she appoints one or more justices of the United States Supreme Court, the Second Amendment is dead. The Heller decision will be reversed, and the liberals on the court will use their own political agenda or further their own political agenda by ruling that the Second Amendment does not provide an individual right for Americans to keep and bear arms. At that point, Hillary Clinton will do what Obama has wanted to do through his entire term and has been trying, still trying to do it to a certain extent using an illegal United Nations Treaty, which has never been ratified by the United States Senate, primarily because it has never been submitted by Obama to the United States Senate as required by the Constitution. But Hillary will, do, will order probably the outright confiscation of firearms in this country, firearms belonging to law-abiding Americans. If that happens, she's going to have a civil war on her hands. There are millions of Americans out there who are not going to willingly walk into their local FBI office or local police station and say, here, you can have all my firearms. I'm no longer going to be able to protect my family, protect my property, I'll rely now on Hillary Clinton to protect me. Well, we've seen how that worked in Benghazi, among other places. 
but regardless of what Trump meant, and that, that's not what he was talking about, I'm, I'm sure, but he was talking about the Second Amendment and the right of people to keep and bear arms and how they would resist a Supreme Court appointee who saw the Second Amendment as other than what it is, an individual right. The Second Amendment is not about duck hunting. Let's think for a minute about what the Second Amendment was really put in the Constitution for. The colonists, the new Americans, had just fought a brutal and long war against the British. They had used their own weapons, basically. Virtually everyone owned a firearm for the purpose of hunting for food, for the purpose of protecting their, their families. And they stockpile weapons at places like Lexington and Concord. And they prepared for war with the British. They fought that war. They had won that war. Then what do they do? Well, the Continental Congress set up a new government under what was called the Articles of Confederation. It turned out to be a disastrous failure. It didn't really provide for unity. It didn't really protect individual liberties the way a lot of colonists wanted to be protected. So, in 1897, they came back, I mean, 1787, I'm sorry, they came back and decided to start work on a constitution, a new form of government, a constitutional republic something that had never been tried before. They didn't know if it would work. What they didn't want was to have this new form of government dissolve into tyranny like they had felt under the British. And it took years for them to, to really put this constitution together. And one of the things they did before some of the states would agree to ratify the constitution, and it was ultimately, ultimately ratified by all 13 colonies at that point, 13 states of the new United States. They put in a Bill of Rights, 10 amendments to the new Constitution. The First Amendment protecting the right to freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of assembly, freedom of religion. The second one protected the right of individuals to keep and bear arms. Why was that in there? Again, it was not about duck hunting. It was put in there to have the American people armed and give them the option that if the new form of government dissolved into tyranny, if an individual, the President of the United States, or a group of individuals started to impose tyranny on this country, started to take away freedoms, particularly those protecting the First Amendment, that the American people would have the wherewithal to rise up and fight for their liberty. This was something they had just done. It was something they were prepared to do again. That's what the Second Amendment means. That's what the Second Amendment is all about. Yet if Hillary Clinton gets elected, she will do her best to dissolve the Second Amendment. And, of course, she claims she won't do that, but we know she will. And she will 
attempt to disarm the American people. My new novel, The Rag, is receiving some rave reviews. And one of the things I talk about in there is the attempts to disarm the American people and the attempts to impose tyranny on the American people and how it is ultimately resisted by Americans. It reads like, not like a real novel, not like fiction. It reads like what is happening today and what potentially could happen tomorrow. And that's why it's getting some rave reviews on Amazon and other places. And you can order a copy through me, through my website at www.michaelconnolly.jigsy.com. Or you can go to Amazon. It's on Barnes & Noble. There's a number of places that you can order it. You can order directly from the publisher at Trafford. But it's available right now in paperback and hardback. And soon, within the next few weeks, it should be available as an ebook. People who are reading it are really stunned by the novel and by the characterizations and this sort of thing. And we'll talk more about that after this first break. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Are your health insurance premiums going up? You are not alone. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org to understand why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. This is Grace Marie Turner, President of the Galen Institute. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. You're listening to America's Webradio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Talking about my book before the break, and we have uh, received some absolutely tremendous reviews. Uh, the most recent being from John Trudell, the author that was on the show last week. And he. Uh, goes on and on on Amazon about uh, how powerful the book is, how important it is for people to read. But that just brings us back to what is happening today in this country. 
And as I was mentioning, Donald Trump is being trashed by the news media constantly, repeatedly, over and over again. Every word he says is interpreted in a negative light, is misrepresented, and the news media is after Donald Trump. They do not want him to be president of the United States. Now, I can't endorse anybody for president, but I can talk about the issues. And on one of those issues, the one most important to us at the United States Justice Foundation, it is clear that Hillary Clinton will appoint Supreme Court justices, if she's president, who will trash the Constitution, who will wipe out freedom of speech, freedom of religion, the right to keep and bear arms, the right to due process. The Obama appointees on the court have already been doing everything they could to do this. We had Antonin Scalia on the court as a true constitutionalist who was blocking a lot of this almost single-handedly. We know who Hillary Clinton will, will appoint. Donald Trump, on the other hand, has provided a list of potential appointees that he would make to the Supreme Court, all of which are solid constitutional conservatives. So that's something to think about when you're looking to vote for somebody for president. But interestingly, while all of this is being done to trash Donald Trump, all kinds of revelations are coming out, new ones, about Hillary's email scandals. The families of two of the Americans killed in Benghazi have sued Hillary, claiming that they believe that information provided in her emails on her unsecured servers to her unsecured various devices detailed the movements of Chris Stevens, the ambassador, and led to the attack at Benghazi. I firmly believe they're right. I think it's highly possible that this is what happened. Then, of course, they talk about the fact that Hillary lied to them while the bodies of their sons were being brought in the United States at the airport. Hillary Clinton was telling them that she was going to make sure that the person who did the so-called video, anti-Muslim video, on YouTube was going to be prosecuted because he has, was the one that caused the deaths in Benghazi, caused the riot that led to the deaths. Of course, we now know for sure that it was not a riot caused by a video. It was a planned, coordinated terrorist attack carried out by an al-Qaeda affiliate targeting the ambassador and his entourage. We also know for a fact that there were American soldiers who could have been sent to Benghazi to relieve the people there who were defending it. And the security team was very, very small at Benghazi. And I pointed point out in one of the articles in my blog uh, that a, a group hired by the Blue Mountain Group, it's called, hired by the Clinton State Department to defend and provide security for the ambassador 
at Benghazi was in fact made up of locals who were not allowed to carry weapons because Hillary Clinton didn't want them armed. So they didn't carry weapons. They carried flashlights and batons. And they were told if somebody attempted to attack the consulate, they were to alert the people in the consulate, and then they were to run and hide. And that basically is apparently what happened that night. So we had no real security provided. American soldiers and air power that could have gotten to Benghazi and probably been too late to save the ambassador, but could have saved uh, the two Navy SEALs. It was told to stand down. We don't know who told them to stand it down. We don't know who was in the Situation Room at the White House at that point. We have no idea where the President of the United States was. His movements or conversations have never been put brought to light. We don't know who he talked to. We don't know who he gave instructions to. But American soldiers, sailors and Marines and airmen were ordered to stand down and not to provide support for Americans being slaughtered in Benghazi. Somebody had to give that order. And the only person under the Constitution that could have given that order was the commander-in-chief, the President of the United States. Yet I have heard from reliable sources that the order to stand down came from Valerie Jarrett, the so-called presidential advisor, who has no legal authority to do anything. She's not a member of the cabinet. She's not been approved by the United States Senate. She has no military background. She could not give that order, even if she was told to do it by the President of the United States. He's the one that should have given it. But unfortunately, the order was given, and Americans died. And Hillary Clinton is responsible, because Chris Stevens has been asking for weeks for increased security because of the situation in Libya. It was so dangerous. There had been one attack on the American consulate in Benghazi already. There had been a car bomb set off in front of the British consulate or embassy. The situation was volatile. Chris Stevens wanted more security. And what did Hillary do? She cut the size of his security team from 14 people down to four. So there are 14 Americans, military personnel being there for security, it was cut down to four. And those four were in Tripoli that night and were prepared to board a plane and fly the one hour to Benghazi to go to the assistance of the ambassador, and they were told to stand down. They were not allowed to ever get on that plane. Who gave that order? Hillary Clinton? Obama? We don't know. But we do know that Hillary Clinton is ultimately responsible for the deaths of the four Americans. Because she did not provide them with adequate security. She did not provide them with the support they needed. She was the Secretary of State. But this wasn't something she was concerned about. I mean, she didn't consider 
saving American lives, a big part of her responsibility as Secretary of State. As far as she was concerned, the most important aspect of her being Secretary of State was to make money for her and Bill and Chelsea and for the Clinton Foundation. And that's what these new email uh, revelations are showing, that there was an illegal and unethical connection between the Clinton Foundation and the State Department while Hillary was Secretary of State. Clinton Foundation was receiving requests, receiving money, first of all, they received some big donations, and then there would be a request through the Clinton Foundation for a favor from the Secretary of State's office. And that was what was being transferred or transmitted onto Hillary Clinton. And the response to Hillary Clinton for AIDS and the response was always positive, depending on the amount of money that they had given to the Clinton Foundation. Pay for play. That's what it's called. Foreign governments, foreign corporations paid the Clinton Foundation and then received benefits including major contracts from the United States government or from businesses here in this country for their contributions. It's called bribery. Not just pay for play, but it's bribery. And it is a violation of the Constitution. It is a violation of federal law. It's a violation of the oath of office taken by Hillary Clinton to preserve and protect and defend the Constitution. And violating that oath is, in fact, a criminal offense, punishable by up to one year in prison and a $10,000 fine. Yet all these emails coming out, most of the mainstream media, if they say anything about it at all, is to come out in defense of Hillary and dismiss the whole thing is the ravings of conservative lunatics like me. Well, you've heard nothing yet as far as raving goes, because I'm getting really upset about all this. I'm getting to the point of, of no return as far as being upset. Because I see my country being taken away from me. And I see it being taken away from me by corrupt government, corrupt news media, and I don't want to lose my country, but we're losing, folks. We're losing more and more every day. I mean, the political correctness is getting out of hand. But here's the deal. We know that Hillary Clinton sent and received classified emails over an unsecured server. We know that some of these emails were highly classified to the point where we, to this day, can't be told what was in them. We know she used multiple devices. We know she lied to the American people and lied to Congress about the server, about the emails being classified. 33,000 of her emails are still hidden. She will not produce them. I was a military intelligence officer. I was a captain in the Army Security Agency. I had a top secret security clearance. 
I was the training officer for my reserve unit. I had training manuals that were top secret. This was long before the days of the Internet. These were paper. But the fact of the matter is, if I had released or not secured those manuals, I would have been court-martialed and prosecuted. Yet nothing has happened to Hillary Clinton. We'll talk more after this break. Who is or what is USJF? It is a non-profit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Are your health insurance premiums going up? You are not alone. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org to understand why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. This is Grace Marie Turner, President of the Galen Institute. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Like I said before the break, as a military intelligence officer who to- took an oath of office very similar to the one that was taken by Hillary Clinton and is taken by all people that work for the federal government, I took an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That oath meant that I would protect this country's secrets. I would be protective of the information I was provided as a military intelligence officer, and I would make sure that information did not fall into the wrong hands. If I had been negligent, not, you know, obviously if I had been deliberately turning over information to the Soviet Union at that point or the Communist Chinese, that would have been treason, and I would have been prosecuted for treason. But even being negligent would have cost me my career. I would have been court-martialed, possibly put in prison, lost my commission in the military, and had my reputation totally destroyed. That's what would have happened to me. That's what is happening right now 
to certain members of the military who have just made mistakes, careless mistakes, and allowed information that was classified to be transferred through their private email on maybe one occasion. And they've been court-martialed. And they've been held accountable. But here, Hillary Clinton can, for four years, trash the Constitution, provide sensitive information on an unsecure email server, lie about it, try to hide the fact, hide the emails, be involved in basically bribery scandals of epic proportions. Being, have it pointed out by James Comey, the FBI director, that she was extremely careless, uh, careless, that she lied to the American people repeatedly about this, and continues to this day to lie to the American people. Did you see her interview with Chris Wallace last week? Not long after she got the Democratic nomination officially? She sat there and absolutely lied through her teeth, knowing that Chris Wallace knew she was lying, and that anybody with any intelligence that was watching it knew she was lying. But see, you got the Obama bots out there, or the Hillary bots. You know, they're the guys that get the people who get the free stuff. They don't care if Hillary lies. They don't care if she steals. If she's stealing from American taxpayers, and a lot of them don't pay taxes. They just get free stuff. And then you've got your Hollywood liberals, who also, to a great extent, get free stuff because of various grants and things that go on out there. But they just want to see the rest of us under their control. They're part of the elitist. Obama, Hillary, Bill, Michelle Obama, Harry Reid, Nancy Pelosi members of the liberal news media. They are the elites. See, they are the ones who know what needs to be done in this country. And that means they know what we need to do. We need to obey them. They are smarter than we are. We're too dumb to know how to handle our own financial affairs. We're too dumb to know how to handle our own business. We're too dumb to be allowed to speak in public about issues that we feel strongly about. We're certainly too dumb to be allowed to own a firearm. And we're too dumb to think that we should be or have due process of law or have freedom of religion or the right to free assembly. They're the smart ones. They own us, according to them. You and I are subjects that live on the federal plantation run by the elitist. That's why Hillary Clinton can get by with lying and cheating and stealing and possibly a accessory to murder because she's one of the elitists. And most people are protected by the liberal media.
rest of us are subjected to political correctness. I am so tired of hearing everything that I believe in being called racist. We had an idiot national news reporter who called the POWMIA flag racist and said it should be taken down. It's only it's flown over American Legion and VFW Post. It's flown at U.S. post offices. And it's in memory of the American soldiers who, over the years, are missing in action while POWs have never been found. Why did he call that racist? Well, because it emerged after the Vietnam War, and the Vietnam War was a racist war. It was us white folks in the United States trying to subdue the, the poor communist Vietnamese in North Vietnam. So the flag is racist. The Confederate flag has been branded as racist. The Confederate battle flag. The Confederate battle flag was carried by troops fighting in the Civil War for the South. It was not the flag of the Confederacy. That was another flag entirely. But it was not a racist flag. The South was fighting, not really to preserve slavery, because people, you know, this is something that's not taught in the schools and will never be taught in the schools in this country, as long as they're controlled by the, the leftists. The Confederate Constitution of the Confederate States of America banned slavery. Slavery was going to end even if the Confederacy had won and stayed independent after the Civil War. That's in the Confederate Constitution. It was recognized by many people in the South at that point that slavery, number one, was economically no longer feasible, and number two, by a lot of them, it was wrong. My great-great-great-grandfather, J.T. Kennedy, an Irishman, died at Gettysburg, fighting for the Confederacy. Now, obviously, I never met the man. I don't have seen anything that he wrote, but I do know something about his history. He was not a slave owner. He was a school teacher who had a small farm that he basically and his wife did the work themselves, planting and harvesting the crops. He was not a slave owner. I doubt that he was fighting for slavery when he was, we died. But he was fighting for the Confederacy because he believed that the North was attempting to impose its will on the South. And it was not just by abolishing slavery. The North wanted to control the South industry and agriculture and trade. Because the South was making a lot of money trading cotton with Great Britain and other countries, and the North wanted all that cotton to go to the North, businesses in the North, and they weren't going to pay much for it. They just were basically going to take it. There was a whole lot more of the Civil War than people were being taught in the schools. But the Confederate battle flag, I honor. Because my ancestor was fighting for what he believed in. 
and the men who fought on that flag were fighting for what they believed in, just like the men who fought for the Union. Because I had relatives on the other side. J.T. Kennedy was on my mother's side of the family. On the other side of the family, there were Connollys on my father's side fighting for the Union. And I honor that flag because it's my flag and always has been. Because I, but I honor the other flag because historically it stands for something that some of my relatives believe in. But it's been banned now all over the country, even in southern states. All the monuments to Confederate soldiers like Robert E. Lee, they're all going to be taken down in the city of New Orleans, for example. I'm being told that my heritage doesn't mean anything. I'm being told that I'm a racist if I don't succumb to the rantings of the far left. Now, the latest idiocy is the Gadsden flag. That's the flag created during the American Revolution with the rattlesnake, coil rattlesnake, and it says, don't tread on me. It was a message being transmitted to the British by the colonists that we're going to fight for our freedom. Did it have anything to do with race? No. It was not a flag of supporting slavery. So why is it being banned? And why is it being banned in the, birth, the workplace? Why are you now subjected to being fired or even fined if you wear a hat that has a Gadsden flag on it, or a t-shirt. Why is that? Because the far left has decided that since the person who we think designed the flag may have owned slaves, that it's therefore a symbol of racism. Just like some of the Democrats have stopped having dinners named after Jefferson and Jackson, two presidents, because they were both slave owners. My heritage is being taken away from me. Our freedoms are being taken away from us. And it's not an accident. It's being done deliberate. And I am done with political correctness. Every time they tell me something is politically incorrect, I'm going to do or say or display whatever they've told me I can't. And let them come try to stop me, because I've had enough. Let's take our final break now. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a non-profit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. 
Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. I'm sorry today, ladies and gentlemen, if I seem like I'm on my high horse, but I've been been watching and, and listening to so much political propaganda coming out on the national news media and out of the White House and out of Hillary Clinton's campaign that I'm, I'm just getting fed up. I really am. And, you know, I was talking about political correctness. If you go to the website of the United States Justice Foundation, you'll see many of the areas that we're fighting in. And you can read my articles there, and you can read articles written by the attorneys who work for us and who file the briefs. And the uh, we file briefs in the Courts of Appeals and the U.S. Supreme Court all the time. And these are these are cost us money, but most of our money doesn't go for overhead. It goes for our programs, and those programs are filing briefs and proposing regulations uh, that are being passed by the Obama administration or adopted by federal agencies. You can see some of the things on there that we've written, some of the opposition we've done. You can read the briefs that we filed. One of the things we're involved in right now is fighting the American Bar Association. Now, I've been a licensed attorney for over 40 years. And I have never been a member of the ABA, except for, like, the first year I was practicing. I think I, they all gave me a free year membership. Because it had always been a left-leaning liberal organization. Now it's gotten to the point where the ABA is trying to adopt new rules and regulations for lawyers, saying that you can be disbarred if you refuse to represent certain people if and get involved in certain cases. For example, if somebody who is gay comes to you and wants you to sue a bakery or discriminating against them by not doing a wedding cake for a gay wedding, then as an attorney, you have always had the opportunity to choose what cases you took and who you wanted to represent. For example, when I was practicing law, I absolutely refused in my activities as a criminal lawyer, and that's one of the things I engaged in, but my specialty was constitutional law, still is. I refused to represent pedophiles unless I absolutely were convinced that they were innocent of the charges. 
I just couldn't do it. I didn't couldn't in good conscience do it. And I wouldn't have been good representation for them anyway. And I had the right as an attorney to choose not to represent them. Now the ABA is saying, you will have to represent these people. Any people that, that, that you choose not to represent, whether they're pedophiles, whether they're possible terrorists, you have to take their cases. You no longer have freedom as an attorney to manage your own practice. Your practice is now going to be managed by the federal government or by the ABA. That's typical of what is happening in this country. And what is also typical is the fact that we still have Americans dying around the world to defend the freedoms that Hillary Clinton and Obama and the Democratic Party want to take away from us. And we thought more going on with the Clinton campaign. I mean, I don't, this is something else that's being totally ignored by the national news media. But the head of WikiLeaks has offered a $20,000 reward for information leading to the death of a DNC staffer a few weeks ago who was shot down. Now, Assange hadn't come out and said this, that he was the source of the leaks from the Democratic National Committee emails. But it's sort of implied. And he was killed. A few days before that happened, a staff member of the Bernie Sanders campaign, who had served on Debbie Wasserman Schultz, the DNC, and the Clinton campaign, legal papers challenging what they were doing as far as rigging the election in favor of Clinton. A month later, he's been found dead in his home. Cause yet to be determined. Now, there's been email floating around for years, and some of it is is really eye-catching and very suspicious. It details about 36 people who have somehow been involved with the Clintons over the years and somehow ended up dead, either through murder or suicide or mysterious circumstances. Now we've got about five more to be added to that list. I tweeted out a couple weeks ago after Hillary got by letting the FBI or the evaluator escape on the email scandal. I pointed out that the combination of Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, Harry Reid, Nancy Pelosi, the Democratic National Committee, the Democratic Party, was now the largest criminal enterprise in the United States. It's not an easy thing for me to say, but I believe it to be true. Like I said, in the meantime, American soldiers are dying to defend something that we're losing on the home front. They're fighting terrorists. Hillary Clinton 
as the father of a terrorist to kill 49 people in Orlando come to her campaign event and stand right behind her so he's on camera. And when asked about this, because he later full-scale endorsement of Hillary Clinton, when asked about this, Hillary ignored the question. Now think about this. The largest police union in this country, the 332,000 members, has always been a coveted endorsement by both Democrats and Republicans. And if you wanted the endorsement, you had to fill out a questionnaire and file it, and then you have to be interviewed by their board. Hillary Clinton declined to seek their endorsement, declined to seek the question, to fill out the questionnaire. She, the endorsement of Black Lives Matter and the new Black Panthers is obviously more important, important to Hillary Clinton than the endorsement of a major police union. They're furious. They felt snubbed by it. But then we have a father of a terrorist. The father himself has praised the Taliban and called for all gays to be executed. And he endorses Hillary Clinton, and she refuses to renounce that endorsement. Now, remember what happened when David Duke, an old enemy of mine, by the way, and a, the head of the Ku Klux Klan, or whatever he's the head of at this point, he was the head of the Nazi Party for a while, and then the Klan, another Klan group, and now he just sort of freelances uh, hate around the world. But he came out and endorsed Donald Trump. Donald Trump twice specifically renounced that endorsement. Yet the news media for days called so that Trump had not renounced it, that Trump had accepted his endorsement, and that Trump that meant Trump was a racist. Hillary refuses to announce the endorsement of a terrorist, and it's ignored by the national news media. I think... Based on that information, we know whose side Hillary's on, and it's not the side of the American people. She wants to increase the number of Syrian refugees coming in this country by 550%. She doesn't care if they're vetted or not. She doesn't care who they are. She wants to legalize all the people in this country who have come illegally in the past. And she wants them all to come to the Democratic Party trough, feed at the federal trough, and cast their votes reliably for Democrats. And for that, she will make sure they get free stuff, and she will make sure they get free stuff by taking away my stuff and your stuff. Increase taxes. Hillary said it the other day, now they, you know, the news media said, oh, this must have been a slip of the tongue. But interestingly, Hillary didn't come out and said it was a slip of the tongue. She said in a speech that she was absolutely going to increase taxes on the middle class. Totally unreported by the national news media, unless they said, oh, she didn't really mean what, that, what she said. Hillary means what she says, and she says what she means. She lies about this about everything. But if you listen to her carefully, you can figure out what she actually stands for. And that is the complete and sole destruction of the United States of America. Ladies go to my ladies and gentlemen, go to my latest blog article. An American soldier died today.
and read it and pass it on. Because it's important to put in the context of what we've been talking about today. What are American soldiers dying for? Where do we stand with them? You can go to www.michaelconnelly.jigsy.com. You can read the articles there. You can also read reviews and everything about the books I've written, including the latest patriotic novel, The Rag, which is getting great reviews. You can see about my book on the Constitution. I just had an order come in the other day for 100 copies. One group that wants to hand out copies of the Constitution. By the way, the copy of the Constitution that was con, that was holding up the Democratic National Convention, that had just been bought a few hours before by one of the Democratic National staffers had given to him. It wasn't his. And I could go on and on. But anyway, we're running out of time now. Uh, please encourage your friends to listen in. And uh, thank you for listening in today. And I look forward to talking to you again next week. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.